And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 254 of This Old Marketing, recorded Thursday, January 14th, 2021. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who already has twice as many followers as I do on Clubhouse, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Uh, yeah, you're, mis- you're, you're Mr. Clubhouse no, no, no. these days. No, uh, I am not at all. But I have to tell you, and it's, I got, first off, I was not, a, and I was not going to be a believer because I'm like, I'm not going to get myself into another social media channel. I just am not going to do it. But our friend Mike Stelzner you know, sends us the invite. Who's like the ultimate who fan is way of into all. It. Of course, like he's, he's got, Mr. Clubhouse. Yeah, he's got like yeah. a million followers on there right now. And I said, okay, well, I've got to give it a chance and try it. So I just, I saw that, that one of my uh, Bitcoin um, guys that I follow on a podcast, they were doing a Clubhouse. I'm like, oh, I'll go check it out. Well, I go there and like there's five billionaires talking there's three hosts from podcasts I listen to. There's Meek Mill and um, and then another rapper, like big rapper, that are all talking about how to get into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and decentralized finance. And I'm just listening to it. And it's like listening to a podcast, but really, right. really interactive. And they just say, it's just weird to be on something and it's like, oh, okay, hey, Gary V's on. Let's bring Gary Vaynerchuk on to talk, talk a little bit about it. And he's like, oh, hey, everybody. And I'm like, this just weird. It was just weird to be in, in all these really influential people talking. Now, granted, that's not everyone that you would go to on Clubhouse. But the well, idea. Well, I've tried a couple. Yeah. The idea of audio social, I think, is absolutely a thing. I, I don't know what the what this ends up being, but I could I could see a lot of people getting into it. I think so. I'm, I'm a little, I'm still a little torn on it. I, I, you know, because I've gone into, I have yet to find something that really like, like what you just said, right. That really, you know, floats my boat. You know what I mean? That makes me go, you know, cause, and I've, and I've signed up for a bunch of stuff. So I get a lot of notifications about what's going on. Um, and I, I've gone into a few things just to, just to pr- listen yeah. and, and yeah, it's been, it's been good. It, it, you know, I mean, the conversation is fine, but it's not, there's nothing there that I'm terribly passionate about yet. So I haven't, it's a very weird discovery process. I find in terms of how you find content, you kind of have to find content by following people that That's you think ex- will produce the content that will, you'll like, and, or follow the clubs that you think will produce the content that, you know, it's a very, it's a very convoluted and I know why they do it. They're doing it to maintain the quality of things. Um, and to maintain some sort of, you know, whatever, but, uh, but the, 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 the the discovery process of content is very and, and I haven't found that the you know the interests thing that they launched had been very, they're not you know successful. they're not spot not for, on yet. for me anyway they're, the algorithm yeah. is yeah. not working there yet but I can see the potential you do have to put some work in up front like if you don't put twenty minutes or thirty minutes up front follow the right people set the right things you're never going to get involved in it. Like you really have to put some, I think and that, then once yeah. you do, then I think that's where I, I said, look, I've got to give this a chance instead of just putting up my bio and my picture. I have to actually, so I started following some people and started doing some searches and following some more. And I, I followed like 50 people or something. And then I started to get some relevant clubs coming up or whatever you call it. Okay. Them. Well, maybe I need to do that. Maybe I just need to put a little more time into it than I've been doing. So, I don't know, but it's yet another know. social media thing. Right. I, yeah, there's that Which too. Which we'll be we'll be talking a lot in the show, but let's talk about the most important thing, Robert, and that oh is my the Cleveland God. Browns. Yes. That is Yes, the, congratulations. Are you kidding me? It's Yeah. It's, it's It was a big win. It was a big win and to see and to see, you know, Ben Roethlisberger crying on the sideline was I have to imagine for Browns fans was a you know, a a bit of like Wah-ha. Well, you know, it was, I, there was, it, it was, it was 
if we're gonna get this monkey off our back, we, we had to go through Pittsburgh. We had we lost there for yeah. the last seventeen times or something. And they've been just I mean, pulverizing us for the last two decades plus. Right. Well, and to be clear, because you may not say it, the the Browns pulverized the Steelers. I mean, it was it was an ass kicking, is what it was. Well, I wouldn't. This is what I would say that is so it's so <laughs> much it's so much being a Browns fan. And I saw this this morning on Twitter or something like that, and it said Cleveland Browns fans still concerned Steelers will come back from forty eight thirty seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. that's that's how it is being right. we when the browns won we looked at each other and like okay did that just happen is that a dream yeah like, you just don't and i still don't like people <laughs> tell me that we're playing kansas city this weekend but i'm not sure i'm not sure yeah if you gonna... think this the, the steelers still could come back before you go to kansas city so no, somebody's gonna say <laughs> and then nope it's not it it's something else but anyways we're yeah. We're very big game this week. Big, yeah, it's a big game this big week. Big game this week. We're very excited about it, and uh, yeah, I can't. I can't tell you that it's funny how this is a football town. Cleveland is a football town, and I think it's something. I think more people watched in the Cleveland area watched that football game than the than Game Seven of the 2016 NBA Finals, where the Cavs won. I can imagine. I can, which imagine. is crazy to think yeah. about, but that's how that's how it is. So anyway, we'll we'll see how it it goes. We're a ten point underdog to the Kansas City Chiefs. Great team, probably the yeah. best team in the league. Well, you just got to be able to keep up with them. You just got to be able to keep up with uh, Mahomes, you know. And if you can keep up with the scoring, uh, it's you know well, they they can be beat, but but it's tough. We did, well, they, good. They score a lot of points. The good thing is, I think seventeen people and coaches just came off the vid list, so we do. <laughs> <laughs> we at least have our head coach back, and uh, we have. Two of our uh, people from our secondary, Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson, very significant portions of the team because, as we saw last week, even though you say it was a drubbing, it felt like a very close game. And Roethlisberger still threw 501 yards. So, well, because he had to. Yeah. I mean, that's the you know. I mean, a lot of that stuff was in garbage time. So, didn't you know, feel like it. I mean, didn't it felt? Yeah, like- no. Well, I mean, the I mean, the Browns going to Brown, right? I mean, you know, they're. I mean, that you know, if they can. You know, if there'd been another quarter, they might have lost. <laughs> Let's put it well, that way. But, well, you know, I, but the first quarter, I mean, the first half of that football game was like, I mean, it was, you know, it, they, they were just they were, they were just bullying. Was, well, the, the first the quarter, Steelers. that'll that'll never happen again. But it was something like 20 seconds left. And, you know, our friend JK, big Steelers fan, sends us, sends me a text and says, congratulations, you guys played a great game. And it, there was still like 20 seconds left. And I'm like, well, the game's not over. I mean, I don't it's like yeah. like I don't <laughs> right. jinx it. This is so. Anyways, yeah. we're pretty yeah pretty pumped up and and excited about it. But uh, but what else? That's I don't know what else nice. has been going on. It's really not oh much. my goodness gracious. Yes, it's been a very very well. We and we should get to the news yeah, because a lot to cover. Quite frankly, there are lots and lots to cover here. But yeah, it's been a busy um <laughs> it's been a busy week, <laughs> as it were. Um, you know coups impeachments you know it's uh it's it's just uh it's 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 all that 2021 could promise as a uh as a a sequel to 2020 um let's get to the news because we do have quite a bit to cover and some of it um, is related to all of the current events that are going on now and our first article that we'll cover here comes to us courtesy of ad week uh and it is don't weep for parlor as Amazon, Apple, and Google pull the plug, and of course, social media has been in the news the last week because of uh, banning a certain person. Uh, and the Adweek article uh, opens up by saying, Parler has been completely isolated. The social media platform, which bills itself as a right-wing alternative to Facebook and Twitter, has been dropped by both Google and Apple's app marketplaces, as well as its online uh, host, Amazon Web Services. Uh, and without the mobile ecosystem's core distribution channels capitalizing off a flow of new users from mainstream platforms that have banned President Donald Trump will be much harder, but not impossible. Amazon, Apple, and Google each ruled that Parler, by failing to properly moderate user-generated content on its platform, violated its terms of service, which is pretty 
rich coming from some of those companies. Um, But while Parler may find a new provider to host its traffic in the coming days, it will have much to do uh, to appease Apple and Google, which said the app's owners must keep threats, violence, and illegal activity off of its platforms. And so it goes on to talk about um, tech firms not only being the ones that are out of the parlor business, but there was a number of other uh, companies that have been looking at parlor as, uh, you know, not so good. And interestingly, it's, it's come down to, you know, sort of a, you know, maybe not uh, unsurprisingly people talking about free speech and all of that stuff. And, and we would add that there's a couple of other things we'll add to the show notes here, which we can tee up our discussion here, which is that, uh, Parler's technology uh, is also coming into question because activists were able to download and scrape basically the entire user database and activity through the APIs. Um, and, um, and and also uh, we're talking about the availability of that data for, you know, for for the general public. Um, well, what say you to all of this, Mr. Pelosi? Jeez, I, we could just do a whole show on this. I have so many yeah. things to say. I sent out my my <laughs> random newsletter this morning, and it was all yeah. about this whole thing, First Amendment rights and, and social media and whatnot. The, the first thing, but I want to talk about a couple things. One is I listened to a podcast from, and Mike Novograntz was the guest, and, and he is a big, he, he works at uh, Galaxy Partners, big Bitcoin cryptocurrency guy. And he made this statement, and it really hit home. He said the Chinese government uh, is rest- is good at right now restricting bill- their billionaires, a la Jack Ma, who's been missing for two months. And then he said, "But but U.S. billionaires are restricting government," <laughs> which I just thought was interesting. If you think about that, the reason why I bring that up is. Right or not, these tech companies, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google, are so powerful right now. And I'm not a uh, government regulation guy. I've always leaned on less regulation is better. But regardless of the fact that I think that certain people did uh, go against the terms of service and should be thrown off of Twitter and Facebook and whatnot... That's besides the point. The fact that these big companies can make these decisions, right or not, moral or not, and they put Parler out of business. Done. So that's the that's my one thought. I want to get your take on it. But the the other thing is, um, Parler itself. The whole there's the article, and we'll put it in the show notes when they talk about how they uh, moderate their content. They moderate their content through a team of volunteers. And that, yeah, that's the, that word, gonna, that word gonna, should be used. Yeah, we should that word should be used right loosely, there. but yes. Just yeah, stop right, right there. First of all, social media companies are media companies. Social media platforms are technology and media companies. And any uh, social media platform, any website, it is their responsibility for the content that's on it, regardless if it's user generated or if it's proprietary. And that's what upsets me about this whole thing, where you have the parlor CEO saying, "Ah, it's it's not. I'm not. It's not my problem. What well, is your problem? It's on your platform." And the fact that they set up volunteer, uh, whatever uh, jurors to look at certain articles to see whether they should be stay stay up or stay down is just ridiculous to me. And that's what you have. I you know I've talked a lot about Zuckerberg coming out and saying. About, about Facebook, well, it's not, you know, we can't control the content. Yes, you can. You're a private company. It is your responsibility to make sure that things that are absolutely not true or are going to hurt people or lead to violence are not on your platform. I believe that. Yeah. But then at the well, same okay. time, I'm torn because these companies are just way too powerful. Well, all right. So I have two takes on that. One is, to your to your point, yes, Parlor is just the drunk uncle in the at, at the party, right? You know, and so the fact that you know the the other people at the party want to shut up, parlor is fine, but you know it's everybody's buzzed, right? You know what I mean? And, and so the 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 real question is, 
do we have, do these larger media companies, and I totally agree with you, have some level of responsibility for, uh, for the quality and veracity of their content? And, you know, we'll talk about this in a later uh, article that we're going to cover in terms of, you know, um, and certainly our rants and raves um, later on. But um, the... I absolutely do believe that they that that they bear some responsibility for the content that they produce, just like other media companies in this country do. You know, whether it's NBC, CBS, ABC, PBS, you know, all of those that are have been forever controlled by the FCC about what they can say and what they can't say, and the veracity of their content and what they can be liable for when they publish it should be just as, you know, um, moderated, obviously for the, you know, for the, for the times that we live in, but there, you know, to your point, there, there is a responsibility that they bear here. And the, just the fact that parlor is the drunkest of all of them doesn't change that. Right. You know, in other words, it doesn't, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not like it's over, right. This, the, this debate is not Whoa. over with, with the, now the, to the, to the, to the point of, what you talked about with regard to controlling, I, you know, I, I've heard some of the others say that as well. It's like, oh, in fact, you know, we're going to link to, you know, the a a a, a an article um, that that talks about exactly that. That you know, do these tech companies have too much power? And and I'm not, I'm not convinced of that. I've seen some other arguments that along those sides, you know. Com- big companies have had big power for a long time, right? You know, Walmart has stifled little businesses for a long time. You know, you get you get kicked out of Walmart if you're a little if you're a little you know consumer packaged goods company, it can kill your company. You get kicked out of Amazon. You get you know the, the you know Ford in the 1960s. You know, with its dominance in the marketplace. You know, big companies have have kicked off and crushed little companies for a long time and we can argue about the you know the 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 philosophy of that but it's this isn't anything new i don't think this isn't anything that you know that hasn't been seen before in the economy of the of the world so i I get a you know when when we say oh poor parlor you know i'm like no not poor parlor they just didn't run a very effective business model and got got themselves kicked off I think that what's important about this moment right now, and of course, you know, you got everybody talking First Amendment and Twitter and Facebook and Amazon allowed to do this. Well, that's just yeah, all that that's other just stuff. Silly. That's, that's just, just silly. Yeah, it's it's all just silly. They're not state actors or whatever. They do have a lot of power, sure, but we've given them that power. We've been the of course. We've been the product. Well, we are that. We are this. I mean, we are the product. We are. We are the product. We are the product. Here, that's right? right. We are Twitter. We are Facebook. We are Google. That there is no, there there is no free speech issue here. It 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 is really rich for these people to come out and and argue free speech on the very platform that they're accusing of <laughs> limiting Isn't free speech. Crazy. It's, it's, it's just it's just absolutely. But, crazy but the point about what with this is important because you and i for almost 10 years now have been out there talking about be careful with social media oh yeah you don't own your connections your followers your fans your subscribers on those platforms they can change your the algorithms at any time you could be a hero one you you could be a superstar one day and a goat the next because of the decisions that they make so make preparations to move and finally in the last week, I think you had businesses saying, "Oh my gosh, yes! Look at look at what can look at what can happen." And and yep. And what if, like, and I'm not, if if I would, which never would happen, but if I was Donald Trump's marketing department, I would have been building from day one, and this is back before 2016, his network of owned media channels, which he's never done. He has a small newsletter, but it's nothing, nothing like his reach on social media. What if he was building that platform over time? What he, what would he have? He lost, he lost everything. That's right. He lost everything, and it didn't have to be that way. And the reason why I'm bringing him up is, you could take Mr. Trump and you could put in uh, Cisco Systems or IBM or a thousand other companies that over the years have put way too much investment into social media and no nothing near the investment 
they should have in their building their own audiences. That's that's the the big issue. I don't want to get anybody thinking that we're going political on this. We're using this as a really great example to say, get your heads out of your butts right now and start moving the assets, which are no assets that you have on social media, and figure out, okay, you're going to be on this channel or that channel and invest in that. Like we just talked about Clubhouse. Maybe that makes sense for you and your business. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you have nothing. You have nothing. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, and let me put this into stark reality for a small business, right? I literally last week had a conversation with uh, a person who had forever, um, for the last, call it five years, uh, been building her social media up th- and as a sports person, right? Yeah. And specifically basketball. Okay. And so she you know, became sort of a, you know, she covered, you know, the Lakers here in Los Angeles, um, and, and then also other basketball teams and, um, you know, and basically, you know, Instagram followers, Twitter followers, YouTube channel. And, and that was the, that was the, the network. Right. And the idea was, is that, you know, they were going to get this wonderful, uh, exposure and audience and be part of these other networks, TV and otherwise, that would say, "Oh, there's a person that we can lean on and and you know and become and become a spokesperson for us." Then COVID hits, and there's nothing to lean on. And of course, it changes the way that you can go to basketball games. It changes the way that you can you know that that all the you know football games. It changes the way that all of these sports. So in other words, it it killed the business, and these networks went away. And the so and so she's going to go get a job because it's gone, right? There's nothing there anymore. It's it's just evaporated overnight, and with no addressable audience, there's no pivot to make, right? There's no you can't you can't just all of a sudden switch over your YouTube channel or switch over your Instagram channel, you know? It there's there's no pivot for them to make, and it's a it's it's gone. It's just gone. You know, it just, it can evaporate overnight. It's a great example. I actually thought when, when did Google plus shut down like five years ago, something like yeah, that. Like 20, 20, I thought 15 because there were a number. Yeah. There were a number of, I remember Cisco systems had a big following there. And I, when we use them as examples Yeah, and I thought that that would be the moment that businesses would start waking up and saying, holy moly, we have to do something here. But it wasn't. It didn't. It was a blip. Like, no, oh, Google Plus, they're nothing. And, and again, maybe this is another blip, but I think that it's different. I feel the shift happening with the feedback I've seen, what I've seen on Twitter this week of people finally starting to get it. Oh, my gosh. Maybe, maybe we should rethink our media strategy, our marketing strategy, and focus on owned over yeah over social i would love to see that and then by the way these social media platforms are going to go on and on and on facebook is not going away at all twitter i think is in a really good position right now i think they're going to grow like crazy Mem- yeah and they just made an acquisition in the audio space yeah so, it's it's you know, nuts yeah. how these the, they're taking off and, and by the way might be really good avenues uh to, for paid advertising to promote your own content. I mean, it's of not, course. I have no problem with them from a paid advertising standpoint. I just, you just can't count on it. You got, you should, you should plan on as you go to bed at night saying, well, and it'll probably be gone in the morning. Just like yep. a princess bride. It's like, I'll kill you. Well, I'll, and, and dread, dread pirate prince, I'll kill you in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, right. Most likely kill you yeah, in the morning. Most likely kill you in the morning. That's it. It's the same yeah. thing. Social media yeah. most likely will be gone in the morning. But that's right. Great. Social media is the Dread Pirate Roberts of <laughs> that's it. the business. There's your tweetable moment, folks. Oh, love that. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on quickly. We had just a quick uh, story to cover here before we move into something else that's a, a bit of a deeper discussion. Um, you know, it, I guess Joe, it, it is this tis the season to buy music catalogs. Um, <laughs> it, it is. I don't know what's going on, but everybody seems to be selling off their music catalogs. The what the article we'll link to in the show notes comes from the Wall Street Journal. 
KKR, which of course is the big private equity firm that has bought so many, uh, rolled up so many technology companies, buys into producer Ryan Tedder's music catalog. Uh, investment firm KKR is joining the music copyright buying frenzy, investing in pop producer Ryan Tedder's catalog of hits, including songs from Beyonce, Adele, Stevie Wonder. The firm is taking a majority stake, valuing the catalog at nearly $200 million, uh, according to people familiar with the transaction. The deal includes a mix of certain copyrights, royalty streams for some 500 songs written or produced by Mr. Tedder for his band, One Republic, and other artists. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, the, I mean the, the lineup of songs that this guy has produced is, is big. Um, and for them to get this is a, is, is a big deal. Um, I just, it fascinates me. There's something going on behind the scenes in the music industry and maybe somebody in the music industry can send us an email and, 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 you know, and help us understand this, but there's something going on where this is becoming like a thing, right? Well, my take is this, you're right. I mean, I don't know enough about, you know, way more about music industry than I do, but my take is this. That finally, with streaming music and the players of Spotify and and Sirius XM and Pandora and Apple, there is a business model there now. You you do under now we finally understand if you have a song and it gets X number of plays, there is revenue on the other side. the The model is there. That's why this is maybe different. And, and, because yeah, now maybe you know you buy thing. this, you yeah. know. That's why this is an investment company. These are all investment companies buying this. Sure, yeah, yeah, just like right. they would buy a, a mutual fund. It's oh, I know, right? I know long term. This is well, what just we'll like make. they would buy a startup, right? They, yeah. they, like they would buy a startup. They're buying. They're buying a revenue stream is what they're buying, and they're you know, and and KKR, uh, you know, which I didn't know. I guess has been investing in this since for ten years. They've been oh, doing so this kind smart. of stuff. Yeah. But here's the thing, and here's the thing. It's why it's important for us to talk about on the show. It's this is not just happening in music. This is going to, and it has been happening in. You know, we talked about last week about uh, Wyndham Destinations buying Travel and Leisure. These things are going to continue to happen because there is now a proven business model behind it. If you buy somebody's textual, video, audio content archives, there are multiple business models. And also revenue in play at the time in order for somebody to buy it. That could be a company that's in the industry. It could be an investment company. It could be a startup. So that's why these things are going to happen. So you're we're we're just talking about music this week. We talked about music last week. We'll probably talk about music for another six months, and then we'll start talking about somebody bought the blog post of Influencer X, and well, then we're going to talk about somebody I'll, bought the old podcast of this podcaster. Let me put it into context for you right now, because literally last week, a press release floated over my inbox. Um, you, of course, remember our good friend, Ann Rockley. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, we were we, we were intimately involved with uh, the Intelligent Content Conference and <clears throat> that acquisition back a few years ago. And Ann, of course, is a super... Uh, smart and very long time content strategist who's been around for a long time and has her what she calls the Rockley strategic method, which is you know basically a methodology and content and and you know books that she's written, et cetera, et cetera. She has now transferred that, sold quote unquote the catalog to Val Swisher's company. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, and that mm -hmm. was the press release, right? So she basically sold the methodology, the approach, and the content off to, or licensed it, probably is a better word, off to uh, Val Swisher. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it can happen. It, it can definitely happen. Well, I, and that's where I was on, I, I did a PCMA keynote yesterday, and I had seven points to survive COVID-19 from, from marketers or something like that. My number six was, uh, you, you need to start looking at acquiring assets, and I've talked about this forever. But the but people listening to this are probably like, oh, where do I go? You start making your list now. You right. make your list. You have your ten to twenty opportunities on a little sheet by your desktop, and you start contacting these people and and see what the possibilities are. These things don't happen overnight. Sometimes they do, but they rarely do. Sometimes they happen over six, nine months. You might reach out to somebody and they'll say, I'm not selling. And then six months later, they say, oh, are you still interested? That's how they work. 
Yeah. It's just like if you want to buy, we talked about this before. If you want to go buy that house you've always wanted, if the for sales, the for sale sign probably will never come up if it's a wanted house. Somebody will sell it before it even goes public. That's what you have to think about with these opportunities. Exactly. So. That's exactly right. All right, let's move on to our next story here, which is another fun one. Um, This one, the headline is, The Media Industry Rebuilds by Becoming Human Again. And this, of course, coming to us courtesy of the site whatsnewinpublishing.com. I was giggling when I read this, Joe, because as I opened up this article and I saw the headline, How the Media Industry Rebuilds by Becoming Human Again, and it's by Contributor. (laughs) (laughs) I just noticed. It's uh, but yeah. I know the author's at the bottom. But yeah, you're I, right. the author they is at the bottom. A, but but oh, the byline geez. is contributor. Yeah, yeah, which is just perfect yeah. um, and poetic. Um, anyway, the article opens up by saying writing a prediction piece for the media industry in 2021 is difficult. Uh, if I were doing something similar in December of 2019. Maybe I would have played it safe and said that emerging platforms like TikTok and Twitch would play a role in meeting new audiences where they are if media companies could remove the glossy veneer. Maybe I would have followed some of the early indicators that suggested we would see more industry-wide consolidation to compete with social platforms. Those assumptions might have been right, but for all the wrong reasons. Yes, these trends took shape in 2020, but our industry was forced to undergo five years worth of evolution in nine months. And then the article goes on to talk about revenue diversification and um, a number of things that they've mentioned, some things that we've talked about many times on this show, barstool deal, the wire cutter deal, um, all of those yeah. kinds of things. And basically they get uh, the author gets to the point of saying, well, we should be more, you know, what if instead of generating revenue via bundled subscriptions, we could delight readers with a direct and humanizing way of interacting with the individual writer, the brand, and the subject matter. The most innovative media companies are beginning to recognize this which is why the New York Times consists of recruiting star talent like Ezra Klein, Ben Smith, Kara Swishers. In other words, we're turning into people rather than faceless organizations that publish content. Um, I think it's a really interesting point. Um, what, uh, especially where we are, uh, what, what say you? I, I first like the art, the idea that, that you and I have talked about the, whether, whether I've, I keep thinking that it's calling, we're calling it media marketing because we've talked about this, uh, the slamming together of media and marketing into this new thing that people are trying to figure out. But I like the idea of different revenue possibilities where we talked about our 10 that we in killing marketing. And I ta- I'm talking about it again in, in content and coming up. That's real stuff for every company. That's, re- you know, build that loyal audience and these things are going to happen. That I like. In this article, the second thing I like is this. Uh, I don't know which paragraph it is, but it says uh, there's a second trend I expect to continue to gain significant traction over the course of 2021. The realization that the investments we've made in cultivating massive social audiences are simply not paying off. We just talked about that, <laughs> right? Exactly. That is a thing. That's going to be the thing for 2021, where you don't have to be on all five or six major social media platforms. You may want to be on one or two. And put your money there and build on the own, own side. I guess what I I don't know about the superstar talent, the Ezra Klein and Carol Swisher moving to New York Times. I I can see that. I could see a consolidation of influencers and experts coming together over into certain brands instead of just brand pumps out three blog posts a day type of thing. I mean, that's been happening for a while. But I think the New York Times going to town like they did with that makes a statement. And I think more people, I mean, what do you, do you think that this is an ongoing trend? I think so. I think you're going to start to see, you, you've already started to see it a little bit, right? In little pieces. But I think you're going to start to see um, individuals um, come together and form micro brands, which then fold up into the larger brands. You know, Galloway is a great example of this, right? The way that Galloway, Professor Galloway has, you know, himself become a bit of a celebrity uh, and then aligned himself with a couple of different people, Kara Swisher being one of them, um, and then sort of then fell up underneath, uh, you know, a, a larger brand, you know, in terms of a publishing umbrella. And I think that 
road, especially for influencers in the content space, will will continue to accelerate. You know, and in other words, I think you're going to see a lot more partnerships start to emerge from uh, these influencers, as you know, and and I use that word in in rock and roll quotes, I guess, um, which is, you know, basically those who have audiences, individuals who have audiences moving a bit like, you know, superstar sports players, right. You know, who they get, you know, they get attracted into various places because they bring with them audience that can be leveraged. So it's not unlike, right. The, you know, the relationship that has existed forever has been, you know, writers, wanting to write for the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or some big publication because, quite frankly, that gives them access to an audience that they wouldn't have otherwise have had. Now the reverse is true. You've got, you know, individuals who can build their own audiences and you've got media brands who want access to those audiences. And so there's a bit of a of a pull model being being developed here where, if I go out and say I want to partner with so and so and so and so and so and so and build a micro brand of, you know, I you know, for example, I could go out and partner with a sports person and an entertainment person and a political reporter, and I'm the business guy, and all of a sudden we form our own little newspaper, yeah. and and if we can build you know a bit of a thing about that. Well, then all of a sudden now we become attractive as an acquisition target, a micro acquisition target to a bigger media brand. And I think that I think you're going to see more of that. Well, the, the thing is, when we started Content Marketing Institute, that's where you and I had great success, right? Because you had your own following. You had your own niche. You had your own revenue channels. And I was like, here's what I want to do. How do we work with each other to make this thing work? And I think it, it did fairly well. Now, I think that's where we're going to, with instead of media companies saying, I'm going to hire chief editor X person, and I want chief editor X all their revenue. I want their, I, their Twitter should be a whatever media Twitter. I want to own that. I want to own all the revenue coming from that person. That person's only going to work for us. Now, it's, they're doing what we did. They're going to say, okay, I want Ezra Klein. Ezra's going to write for the New York Times, but I'm not going to stop Ezra Klein from having his own subscriber database, subscriber membership and other things that Ezra's going to do on the side because Ezra's going to help our brand as well at the same time, and it's a win-win for everybody. That's, the that's I think, it's a big difference today where you're like, hey, influencer, go out and do your thing. I want this part of it. Yeah. If we can figure out where, are there a win-win relationship, you know, tides rise. And you're starting to see that with brands now too, right? Brands are doing this, right? So, um, you know, our friends at Salesforce, um, uh, have, have, have done this with, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, uh, anyway, well, I'll, think, C- I'll think of it in a minute. the CMO club one, right? Is that? No, that, but, but, um, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll think of it in just a moment here, but, but, uh, but we're, we've seen brands start to do this as well, where they're bringing in sort of influence. You know, we saw it in the 2010s, 2011, 2012 timeframe when they would bring in these evangelists and oh. hire them. Well, like HubSpot, they had, HubSpot did with Scott Brinker is probably a good Exactly. Yeah. Right. It, you know what I mean? And that, and, and now what we're seeing is what you're talking about, which is yes, bring them in as an evangelist, but let them do their own thing. Let them be them. Right. You know, so, um, at at the same time. Yeah. I think that's where, where this is absolutely going, where you're going to have, well, everybody's a media company. These, the models that we talked about. Brian Solis is who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. The models that we're talking about right now are, are literally out there for any company in any industry in any size. That's yeah. what's amazing. You never had this yeah. kind of opportunity before. There really are no barriers to entry. It's it's well, as as evidenced by the launch of a certain social media network called Parler. Right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, there are no barriers. They're very the barriers to entry here are very low, but the risks can be very high if you don't set yourself up in the right way. <laughs> yeah, I would say vol- volunteer uh, contributors to review. Risky content is probably not the way to go. No, not really. Probably, I, I would put that uh, <laughs> a, to a, a more relevant 
important part of the business, but there you go. That's not, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well right. put, well put. All right, moving on here to our next story, uh, which is, and we're just plowing through them today. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. We're usually like chatty Cathy's about all this stuff. Anyway, um, we're getting Wall into Street the journal. It's the weekly. Rhythm. We are. It's like, it's the, it's, Ooh, that's, Ooh, that, that's the name of a new podcast. We're going to be even better uh, as weekly podcasters. That's, 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 what, right. that's what we're telling our listeners right now. It's going to get better. Well, that's what we're telling ourselves. It can't for sure. get any worse. That's for <laughs> it sure. It can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next story comes to us courtesy of the wall street journal again, and it is about Axios. Um, and this is a fascinating story. So the headline here is Axios wants to help companies write like its reporters for $10,000 a year or more. Um, and it's a launch of a new division of their organization called Axios HQ. Uh, it's going to launch with Delta Airlines and AT&T among their early customers. And the article opens up by saying punchy news startup Axios is betting that companies will pay big bucks to write like its reporters. Uh, the company next month will launch Axios HQ, a communications platform that will enable businesses to update their employees, including through internal newsletters in Axios's Just the Facts bullet point style. The software tool, which Axios said would cost at least $10,000 a year, depending on a customer's size, is the first paid subscription product launched by the digital news startup. And so basically the article then goes on to talk about you know the launch and what it means. But I think this is fascinating, a media company starting to diversify into the product and perfectly so, um, helping businesses create and become news organizations. And I think that's just a fascinating trend. What say you, Mr. I mean, Pulitzi? Well, first of all, that's not, this is not a new thing. There's no, of companies course Companies trying to do this for a while. The, the difference here is that uh, you've got big companies like whether Delta and AT&T, I think, are already signed on to this. Uh, you, this is a thing now. Like companies, you don't have to talk to a chief marketing officer and say, well, the ongoing content you create is important. They know, they get that. They didn't get that 10 right. years ago. Now they get it. What I love about this, outside of the fact you already mentioned, this is a product coming from a media company. This is internal communications focused, internal newsletters. This is, a, I've been talking about this as a trend for 2021, more of a focus on internal marketing. This is, this is a big thing right now. And we're talking. Yeah. If well, wait till we get to my my okay, my, good, my good. rave a I'll little just, bit later. Yeah, I'll just leave that there. That this I love the focus that Axios is going in after internal. It doesn't mean that AT and T couldn't use Axios' services to say, "Hey, let's do uh, something on the outside." And then you've got, of course, this bolt-on thing for this ten thousand dollar a year subscription is you can leverage the reporting team from Axios to help you write better. Again, that's right. a. You know, that's a news cred contently. You've got lots of things that have been happened before around that area. So it's just it's just interesting to see this. And this is in the Wall Street Journal. This is mainstream now. That's kind of the big thing that took me off guard, Robert, was, oh, man, this is we used to be in, you know, billsblog.com and talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> now, this is the Wall Street Journal covering the stuff that we covered 10 years ago. It's the same stuff. Yes. But now it's mainstream. Well, it's fascinating that they've, you know, I mean, one, in many ways, it's a competitor um, that they're talking about mm -hmm. here. But 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 the fascinating thing to me is this is the Content Inc. business model writ large, right? Yeah. This is, you know, this is Axios getting paid for what ostensibly is a marketing effort. Um, you know what I mean? It's like they're they're going out advertising their particular style of news getting and 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 what they you know and and axios definitely if you've read any axios articles you can you can you'll know what i mean exactly short, because short to the point a, bullet points short, yeah boom 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 you know what it means and then the short and to the point and just the facts and that's the way it goes and by getting readers and consumers used to that about the way that they get their facts all they're doing is bolstering their own sort of style to the way that people consume news and so this is, you know, it helps them from an audience development standpoint, um, because if, you know, many brands start to use this for their large employee base, well, all of a sudden, guess where they're going to start going for their news? Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's, and they're getting paid for it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, 
I, if they execute it well, it's a brilliant move. I'll put it that way. I just, I, I love it. Where, where I'm, where I, it's just funny to read this kind of thing. Does this go under marketing or media? If you're the Wall Street Journal, right? It's, it's both. Yeah, and and that's what that's what keeps hitting me. That's why I keep thinking about this media marketing thing I've been obsessed about for a while, is because you've just seen these two industries come together, and and depending on the perception. Uh, or where the particular brand stands that are reporting on something, they'll either cover it as media or marketing. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just crazy to me. Anyways, we can talk about other things, but this is a big thing, listeners. It is, is a big thing. This yeah. is really a thing that's happening in our industry right now, and I don't know if enough people are focusing on it. I think we're all well, it's, we're it's all a, too busy talking about. Here's the top ten things content marketers right. need to remember. <laughs> right, to tie their shoe next month. I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know. Although where that I need came that from. post, I need that post. I need that post. I need that <laughs> post. My post. shoe comes untied. I have that problem. Yeah. Um, no, but it's an important point, which is one of the things that I think we get lost in in those sort of top ten. You know, you know why we need forty two percent keyword density in our blog post, blah blah blah, kind of content is, and we lose sight of this kind of thing. Is is the lesson here? Is that if you're a business. And you're trying to think about how do I differentiate? How do I differentiate my what I do? What what they did was really kind of brilliant. Here is is that their their goal here is to create a product that actually teaches their customers how to be better customers. In other words, it, 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 the, what is so wonderful about this is that it's not like writing blog posts about why consuming news is important, you know, or, con, you know, writing blog posts about why, you know, having short factual summaries of news articles is a, a new trend and sort of quote unquote thought leading in that way. It's actually just demonstrating that value by selling it as a product and saying, this is the better way. We just, we're just going to go ahead and claim it that this is the better way and that you should actually learn how to do this and buy it. And if we apply that to our own business, if we say, you know, if we're in consulting or if we're in financial services or if we're in, you know, making widgets, whatever it is we're in, instead of the thought leadership angle always being, here's why our approach is so awesome, let's just assume that it is and start teaching people, you know, that approach and really just just claiming it and 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 starting to live it right and and that is what is that's I, I think i just that's what is so brilliant about this it's only just begun that's right you know that's the sorry you what? know that's the end of the um poseidon adventure is it really didn't it is that the end of the poseidon adventure i wasn't born yet that song uh, okay <laughs> all right there we had to go there i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry yeah that's i yeah. you're my mentor i look up to you <laughs> yeah all right let's oh no no it's story. a it's a carpenter song that's the carpenter oh, song yeah. it's only just begun but yeah. was it anyway was, no was it's not I'll, I'll, what okay whatever no 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 no, okay. no. poseidon adventure see now you're gonna make me look it up you know um uh song at the morning after there's gonna be a morning after. Yeah. That, oh God! I'm, you don't want me. We've singing. just lost that our is, younger crowd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever younger crowd we have, are gone. So yes, All yes. Right. Well, that's something you never thought you'd hear on this show, folks. Either the Carpenters or the Morning After. Anyway, moving on to our uh, last story that we'll cover before we get to our rants and rave section here. Um, this, ironically, comes from Axios. And I know this is a story that you have uh, a little bit of hot and heavy uh, thoughts on, and I actually have some t a take on as well. The headline here is exclusive. Uh, it's an Axios exclusive, apparently. Over 1,000 brands ran ads alongside election misinformation. Uh, a new report from NewsGuard, a service that used trained journalists to rate news and information sites, found that from October 1st through January 12th, nearly every major brand in America inadvertently ran automated ads on websites that peddled election conspiracy information. 
Why does it matter, says Axios? Well, the chaotic nature of the modern news cycle and digital advertising landscape has made it nearly impossible for brands to run ads against quality content in an automated fashion without encountering bad content. According to the report, 1,668 brands ran 8,000 unique ads on 160 sites flagged in NewsGuard's Election Misinformation Tracking Center for publishing falsehoods and conspiracy theories about the election. Major companies like American Express, uh, nonprofits like Planned Parenthood, and prominent universities like Harvard and Stanford are just a few examples of companies that NewsGuard found that had found ads running on problematic sites. And it goes on to uh, explain a couple of examples of those things. So, yeah, this is this is a uh, I mean, here here this is programmatic. The problem with programmatic. There you in, go. In, an, yes. in one article. The problem yep. of programmatic. We've talked about it before, but this really hits home. Yeah. As more people take this as a real serious thing, as it seems like every day goes on, it's more and more serious. And I think that before we were like, okay, well, we'll do this programmatic thing. It's great. It's predictive. We could find out who we are uh, or who, who we're targeting, uh, and we can drive revenue through it. Fantastic. Well, you know what? Not good enough anymore. Where are those ads? Where are they showing? What sites? Who are these people that are, you know, that are that are spewing out what information that our ads are around? This is a real, real big issue, and I'm concerned for the programmatic industry uh, because these things are. This is not going to change, by the way. This this yes. kind of information is going to keep festering, and we've only, unfortunately, only seen the start of some of this. Uh, uh, the stories around misinformation, and we have to take control of our advertising and marketing if we're marketers. I'm I'm concerned by this. If I'm a CMO and I find this out, I'm I'm talking to the marketing team right now saying, "What do we need to do so this doesn't happen again?" So this might mean even go, going back to the what's new in publishing contributor article <laughs> that you talked about, we might need to go a little bit more human. We might need to do advertising and sponsorship deals with sites we know, with contributors, with human beings that we know instead of just focusing on we need the best bang for our buck for these digital ads and and we'll do whatever we can to get a lower CPM. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, the only difference I have with you in that is that I'm not concerned about the programmatic uh, space. Um, it can't it can't wither fast enough for me. Um, oh yeah, you but you don't care that it dies is what you're saying. No, I don't. <laughs> I I'm not I'm I am unconcerned about their fate. Got it. Um you know, and the the and the reason for that is because if we care about marketing and we care about advertising as a uh, as an art and science, um, it becomes incumbent upon us to practice what we preach when we say that. Well, if social media companies need to take responsibility, so do we. Um, and and if we're going to take responsibility as brands, as product companies, as service companies, in terms of what it is our ad dollars are fueling. We have to take responsibility, and there's, and there's, you know, to be fair, there's a lot of movement in this direction, right? There's a lot of companies out there that are concerned about where their ads. You know, we we talked about this uh, a year and a half or two years ago, where you know YouTube and and Facebook and and Twitter brands were boycotting because their ads were appearing against things that were you know false or horrible or whatever, yeah. and there was a huge uproar about this, but. The programmatic space that you you can't you you can't automatically serve your ads in such a way. I mean, so I just went. So the one site that they mention, which you know I do the dirty work, so you don't have to, um, that was CharlieKirk.com, um, and that's a website that is you know filled with conspiracy theories and is you know all all of that kind of thing. And I just went and did a source code look at their main homepage because I wanted to see where you know and. I did a, you know, it wasn't hard. Look, I'm not that technical, but but I basically did a reverse lookup on the APIs that they're automatic, whatever program they're they're using a a, a service called Playwire, um, which itself is an aggregator of um, uh, programmatic ads from everything from Sonobi to AppNexus to PubMatic. You know, they're basically those are all bidders. So anybody on those 
platforms, those, you know, those marketplaces of ads, those are all bidding for ad space, including Google, by the way, that's, you know, they, they, they're doing Google ads there. They're, you know, so if you're doing Google ads or if you're doing ads through AppNexus or if you're doing ads programmatic through Pubmatic or ads through Sanobi, you know, and, and you're not taking the time to, you know, which nobody is, let's be honest, really taking the time to eliminate all these sites through the, through the tools, yeah. which they all claim to be able to do. Your ad's going to appear there. Your ad's going to appear in front of a you know conspiracy theory. When I went to charliekirk.com, there was a, there was an ad for uh, a, a, you know a, a sporting goods company. There was an ad for you know a, a an educational institution. There you know and and there was an ad, an ad for a bank. And you know so anyway, it's 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 a problem um, and one that I hope we can solve as we solve this social media challenge as well. Yeah, I, I don't think that you would want if you're Patagonia, you don't want to see your ad on, let's say, an oil rigging site or something. Like you, you need to, you need to be consistent with your mission. Yeah, well, you would really think important. so, right? Like if you don't yeah. care, if you're all about money, who cares? Do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Care, Does it, do people care? Yeah, do yeah. people really care? I guess you know? that's the and question. so that gets yeah. to it, and that's a beautiful segue to our rants and raves um, because. We both have a little bit to say about that. Should we care? And how do we care? Um, and so this is the time for our empirically proven favorite part of the show, ladies and gentlemen, our rants and raves, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like, oh, I don't know, maybe makes us feel maybe like this crying on the sidelines like Ben Roethlisberger or makes us feel like Baker Mayfield running up and down the sidelines cheering for his team. How about that? It's the, um, pro- the progressive versus State Farm Bowl is what this there is. There we Oh, I like that. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, you want to go first or shall I? You know, mine's really brief, and, and I want to. Okay. I think yours is more critical <laughs> as normal. <laughs> you put more thought into the rants and raves than I do. But I, I wanted, I could have picked out a thousand videos to put in the show notes. I just picked out one that tells the story of. Mr. Beast and going from 2012 start. Who I didn't know at all before, by the way. You introduced me to Mr. Beast. I'm so. a big Mr. Beast fan now and have been for a few months after not knowing anything about him. And, and come, you know, as I've been talking about all these examples for, for Content Inc. for six you know, whatever, six, seven years where you build a loyal audience and then you diversify into multiple revenue opportunities. That is what Mr. Beast has done. He now has 50 million subscribers on YouTube. I think last, I think he made a hundred million dollars last year. Mr. Beast is like, I don't know, 26 years old. He's, he's young. And he started out doing Minecraft videos and he evolved into these big splashy videos where he would give away $50,000 to somebody or have big contests about who could, the one recent one was he had 1.7 million Christmas lights and three teams had to decorate a house and whoever used those lights to, to do the best job of decorating the house got the house. You know, that kind of stuff. So he's really evolved from a Minecraft video, just streaming to this kind of thing. So it's taken seven, eight years for him to do that. But then when I saw he launched the Mr. Beast burger chain, so where you get a YouTube star that has, I don't know, hundreds of locations that simultaneously launched around the country to do burgers. I'm like, this is sophisticated stuff right here. So I'm just going to put one of the videos in there's, you can find all about them if you want to go to Mr. Beast videos or whatever, but I'm just like, this is the business model that we are going to be seeing from so many, I want to say younger folks, but mostly younger folks who've learned how to build an audience who don't really know how to create a business model, but they're learning how to do this business model thing. And it is some of the most fantastic stuff I've ever seen. So the the level of logistics alone in the hamburger video that you're going to link to is it's it's impressive, isn't it? Something what, what, first it's rate. What yeah. yeah, what 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 he was able to do, you know. I mean, we often think of these YouTuber streamers as sort of like you know just kind of dopey hosts, but this guy's definitely not a dopey host. I mean, he understands how to make this thing work. Um, and it's, it's really, I thought I was very impressed. Yeah. Well, what I love about it is you can go to his early videos too and see the dopey host type of stuff and see the, I mean, he had one thing where his only goal was to get 
uh, you know, a million hits because he wanted to get a thousand subscribers. Right. It is his whole clock that, oh, I'm almost at a thousand subscribers. Well, shoot, now he hits a thousand subscribers every second. So yeah. it's just it's just crazy how he's evolved his professionalism, with, which, by the way, I think one of his videos was counting to 200,000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, he's on air qu- counting yeah. to whatever 10,000, 20,000, 200,000. I mean, just yeah. nuts, nuts. Yeah. Anyways, what do you what do you got this week? Uh, I got um, so this week um, the Edelman Trust Barometer came out. This is a rave, by the way, um, and I have been. Uh, I mean, I just am such a fan of this study that they have done for twenty one years. They have done this study, um, and it's just as always just fantastic work. Um, so kudos to Edelman for for getting it done again. Um, and, uh, some really, some, just some insights that I think are, 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 are the most important here as we begin 2021 and think about things as a marketer and as content people, um, business. So this is the headline for me, it's the headline. It's not the headline of them, but, but, but for me, it's the headline business is now the most trusted of all of the institutions, which is it's wow. now surpassed. Yeah. It is now surpassed. NGOs, nonprofits, uh, government, and media as the most trusted institution. And we've said it for two years on this show that there is an opportunity here because the bar is so low with trust um, that, you know, your CEO, your technical expert, your, um, you know, your expertise is, can be, you know, a, a huge piece of creating value for consumers, even more so than mainstream media. Well, now we're more trusted. Businesses is more trusted than mainstream media. And mainstream media took a huge hit, as you might expect, uh, this year, uh, as did government with uh, with the COVID. Um, and it's not just here in the U.S., by the way. It's 18 of the 27 countries that Edelman studied. Um, now, further, business is the only institution in their research that, that they found that is seen as both competent and ethical. In other words, NGOs uh, are seen as highly ethical but have low competency. Government is seen as both incompetent and unethical. And media is seen as eh, fairly incompetent and fairly unethical. Business is the only one that's in the upper right quadrant, which is both you know competent and ethical. And so the most trusted employer, and this gets right to the show that uh, the earlier in the show when you talked about this with uh, the being human, wait for it, my employer. That's right. My employer is the most trusted source of information, followed Holy by then government geez. and media reports, etc. So social blown. media, yeah, yeah. Social media ranks dead last for trust, not surprisingly. Twenty four percent saying that they will never believe social media uh, is true if that's the only place that they see an article. And the kicker, one of the things that they found this year is they called it a new mandate for business. Uh, the number of people who expect businesses to fill the void left by the government is really high. So 66% said that CEOs have to step up and lead the change rather than waiting for government. 68% said that CEOs have to step in when the government doesn't fix societal problems. And 86% said they expect they expect CEOs to publicly speak on societal challenges. So those are just huge numbers for me, right? Where where there is now an expectation that business is going to start to fill some of this trust. So now it was an opportunity. Now it's an expectation from our consumers. So it's no longer just simply a hot pie in the sky opportunity for us to do content marketing. Yay. There's an expectation now from our consumers that we're going to do content marketing. Anyway, fascinating report. Go download it. Lots to digest there. Kudos to Edelman. Love the report. Want to hugely rave about it. This is fantastic. And I'll only say this one thing and, and kudos to our late friend, Mr. Don Schultz. But yeah, what he said was the only way that a brand can differentiate is through how it communicates. That's right. And we've hit that point and he is absolutely right. And that creates a huge opportunity for businesses that, um, that communicate authentically, that communicate uh, consistently over time that build these audiences. So the pay, the payoff, by the way, we've, and what's we talk about, the payoff isn't just to drive revenue, from building these audiences, it's every it makes and you you say this all the time. Content marketing makes everything you do better. 
That's right. So everything you do, everything better. you yeah. do better, and that's the thing that is a little bit tougher to measure. But if you really start to look at it, it's so so powerful. Maybe the most powerful of all things. Yep. Absolutely. So hope. Hope is a powerful thing. I, I got to put on my, my best Morgan Freeman voice. Hope is a powerful Maybe thing. Maybe the best of all things. Maybe, Maybe the best, best of things. things. Yeah. Ah, love that. Love that So line. what do you got planned? Uh, I got, week? I'm busy. We are heads down. We are in the middle of client deliverables. We are doing workshops. We are, it's, it's, it's a good and busy time for us. Um, and it's good because there ain't no place to go. <laughs> we, we're <laughs> locked down. So, uh, yeah, it's weird. We're just home and busy and, and then in between watching some football and eating and drinking and all that stuff. So it's, it's homebound for us. How about you? No, I'm, Hey, I'm got the, the final corrections for, for content Inc are coming through right now. The book's coming out May 21st, I believe in all bookstores and online venues and all that good stuff. So we're getting excited about that. And of course, Sunday, 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 Sunday be there. So we will, yeah. we will hope to, uh, to do some conquer, yeah, conquer some the Kansas city Kansas chiefs. City. Yes. I, I'm, and I know you have some, I know you have some social media bets going on with some of our oh, friends. We've got so. all kinds of things going on. Yeah. Once yeah. anybody bets me, it's, it's like, uh, what's the show where, oh, it's like back to the future. It's like anybody that calls me chicken. It's like I gotta do yeah. something. Anybody that yeah, wants yeah. to bet me against the Browns, I always seem to say, "Oh yes, yes, absolutely." I don't even look at what they're betting. I'm like, "Oh, I'm <laughs> in, I'm in." So right. All right, well, folks, that is it. We are signing off of episode number two hundred and fifty-four here. And if you want to get all the goodness of this podcast, show notes, or dive into the other two hundred and fifty-three episodes, just head on over to our shiny, wonderful, brand new website at thisoldmarketing.site. Uh, we want to thank the really good folks over at Radix for powering our thisoldmarketing.site site. Uh, and until we meet again, well, just remember, folks, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.